Great to be back in our Lubingo studios with you here on a Monday afternoon. Sports talk back, ready to go. Not one, not two, three big hours today. And by the way, we need all three because we only have one hour tomorrow. Five o'clock uh, is when the Chihuahuas uh, will play tomorrow night as they start uh, their next road trip, which is important to note because their schedule is all over the place uh, this upcoming week. So let's uh, give you the first off the programming notes for the Chihuahuas because we are your home for Chihuahuas baseball. Since the Chihuahuas won to take the series uh, this past week, which, by the way, congratulations, that's the first series they've taken. They've split every other series. So good for El Paso, taking the series like they needed to with Reno. So now they get Sugarland on the road, 5.05 Tuesday, 10.05 a.m. Wednesday, 6.05 Thursday, 6.05 Friday, 5.05 Saturday, 1.05 Sunday. They're all over the place with these start times. They really are. So that means uh, 5 o'clock, we'll have a one-hour show Tuesday. Um, we'll have the three-hour show Wednesday because it's the early game. They, they play in the morning. And then two hours Thursday, Friday. So there's your programming announcement. That's the programming notes. It's great to be back, although I got to tell you, Vegas was fun. We had a good time. Adrian beat Vegas, I am happy to report. He won some money, came back a, a little uh, richer than he was before he left. And ultimately, we thought uh, that uh, NFL Draft 2022 was uh, was a terrific experience uh, for us. Uh, Adrian, I don't know what you enjoyed the most. Um, the, the way the media was treated by the NFL, which was really uh, first class, um, in a large convention room where everybody was pretty much had their own areas to work, own tables. But... I love the access to the players on draft night after they were up on the stage. They came in and all the uh, prospects that were in attendance, able to talk to people, take pictures. And um, I just thought all in all, for those that were able to make it to Vegas, the prospects that make it to Vegas, a very cool experience uh, for us to see firsthand. Yeah, I think that was my favorite part, just our access uh, to all those guys because, I mean, you're, you're talking to the second overall pick and Aiden Hutchinson. You're getting a chat with a Sauce Gardner who's going to the Jets. You're getting a chance to meet all the receivers who got taken uh, in the you know in the early uh, top 15 of the, of, the, of the first round. So you're meeting guys like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Uh, you know, it, it was just a, an amazing experience to do something like that. And for somebody like me who's uh, watching the draft both as a fan and also you know as a media member I mean this was just one of those career fulfilling moments I honestly have to say that because I just loved loved being a part of that NFL draft and it was also cool we were right there we stayed uh, literally right next to the draft so from the hotel standpoint it couldn't have been any better it was wa- I mean forget walking distance you walked about uh, I don't know maybe uh, a quarter of a mile to get there it wasn't it wasn't bad at all Oh, it wasn't bad. And uh, you got your steps in uh, for the day, which we was did. perfect. So, And then the fans were excellent out in Vegas. I mean, you, there were fans from every different oh. team just representing all across the board, which is so much fun to see and, and also talk to because these fans were very passionate about their NFL draft and uh, what they were going to be able to experience. And there was a lot of opportunities for those fans to be as interactive with either whether it be players or just Vegas and what they were putting together. There was just a lot to do if you were 
were a fan out there in Vegas this you weekend. Know, I was expecting there to be all Cowboys fans, but there were a ton of Lions fans. There were a ton of Jets fans and Giants fans, and we saw some Raiders fans. It was in Vegas, so you figured they would be there as well. Um, but we saw everybody represented. I mean, people showed up, male, female, kids. It didn't matter. It was like a football party for them in Vegas. Yeah, if you were a kid who went to this event, uh, you go to the NFL Draft Experience, which was the free event held outside the draft theater. That was perfect for kids because they got a chance to like uh, take photos in front of helmets and different memorabilia that was out there. Uh, they were selling different things out there as well and even uh, allowing different autograph and Q&A sessions that took place all day. So just a lot of things to do, even if you were a fan heading out to Vegas. I agree with you. So for us, uh, just broadcasting two days with the fall. Uh, Steve Foster, Chris Fernandez, uh, it was uh, really uh, a good time, a lot of fun for us, and uh, we enjoyed it. And again, want to thank our sponsors one last time for making that happen for us. Our presenting sponsor, The Window Depot. Thanks to all uh, those of you at The Window Depot for everything you were able to do for us. And of course, all of our uh, supporting sponsors there with us the whole way. Longhorn Distributing, Cisco Movers, Clean Water of El Paso, 915 Tours, Palo Verde Homes, Taco Avocat, Expert HVAC and Refrigeration, Roto Rooter, and CNM Body Works. They all were there to make sure that uh, NFL Draft 2022 was terrific. By the way, we are already planning uh, the Super Bowl experience in Glendale, working on that, and we might even be heading to KC next year for the NFL Draft. That would be a, that'd be a, an amazing experience right there. Never been to Kansas City. Never been even around that area. So, yeah, that'd, that'd be awesome. Miners could have some NFL draft prospects next year, the way things are looking. They definitely could. I mean, you're talking about those interior line defensive linemen that they could have, yep. whether it's Keenan Stewart or Kelton Moss. Those are some standouts right away. I mean, who knows? It, it just takes one breakout season from an edge rusher like Jadrian Taylor or Praise Mayule for those guys to be on draft boards. And you can't forget about guys like Breon Hayward in the linebacking core. If he's back this year, has another stellar season, he'll, he's definitely a draft prospect. I'm with you on that one. So uh, we flew back Saturday afternoon. Got back in time to go watch the Chihuahuas Saturday night. Um, walk off against Reno. And and I'll tell you something. I don't go a ton of Saturday games. I usually go during the week or on a Sunday. But their fireworks shows are unbelievable. When you really look at what they do to pack in a, a five- to ten-minute fireworks show, you get your money's worth and then some at that ballpark. And it looks like the fireworks are coming right over, they're right over the top of your head because they're launching them from the outfield. Um, and they do such a great job with that. I thought, you know, sometimes we need to really uh, note how good the uh, Chihuah- the uh, Chihuahua's fireworks show is. And I'll tell you something else. They were packed Saturday. A monster crowd. They've had monster crowds to start the whole season off. Their first two homestands have been very, very big. So, you know, again, Credit to the Chihuahuas for being able to pack them in here in year nine. Yeah, that's a that's a big credit to Mountain Star Sports Group and all that they've done to uh, really involve the city of El Paso with Chihuahuas baseball. And I'm glad that you had a good time Saturday uh, for the Chihuahuas also winning yesterday. So, yeah, it yep. was a, a successful weekend for the El Paso Chihuahuas, and it leads up to a week where the Locomotive FC are back in town. They play Tulsa this Wednesday. So a lot going on at Southwest University Park right now. Have you seen those Star Wars jerseys that they're going to be auctioning? Off for the locomotive? Yes, I have. What do you think? I like them. 
I like them. May the 4th be with you. Perfect timing. Why wouldn't you? I mean, they've done so well with those jerseys for the Chihuahuas over the years. Why not give uh, Locomotive fans a chance to enjoy some uh, Darth Vader on the jersey? Yeah, they could have easily done something with Cinco de Mayo or done some other kind of alternate jersey. But I like the twist here, uh, especially since it's such a timely day, knowing that Wednesday is May the 4th. I'm with you on that one 100%. So, ultimately... Uh, you know, big win, by the way, on the road for El Paso Locomotive FC. Congratulations there. Hopefully that was the kind of win that could help turn the corner on this season because they didn't just win. They dominated 3-1, to one, and that was important in itself because ultimately, you know, you need those kind of uh, big wins to kind of get this team going again, and that could be the case. Um L- um, Loden United FC, I believe, is it. Is that correct? Uh, is it Loden? Yeah, that sounds right. United FC, uh-huh. Okay. Uh, that was 3-1 to one was the uh, game and, and a big victory for, um, for the Locos. So that also happened over the weekend. Now, other news. UTEP basketball. Uh, the 1st of May was the deadline for players to declare into the portal and be eligible to play without sitting out uh, the next season. So a lot of guys jumped in the portal last minute. Teddy Allen is one of those members. I was surprised because we heard Teddy Allen declare for the NBA draft. Maybe he's just covering his ground in case things don't work out in the NBA. He can make enough money just playing a year in, in, uh, in for the NIL money to keep himself uh, active in college hoops. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense for these guys to go off it and at least declare for the draft, get scouted on a professional level, learn what they need to improve on from actual NBA scouts, and then go back for their final se- uh, season of college so they can improve on those skills and then uh, make their draft stock even better for next year. So it makes a lot of sense with what Allen did right there. I'm curious to see where he'll go. If he'll uh, make a lateral move, join another mid-major and star on that team, or if he'll parlay what he did with the Aggies last year and try to go off to a power five. Good point. Good point. We'll have to wait and see. I'm interested to see if Teddy Allen goes and joins Chris Jans at Mississippi State. That yeah, would be an interesting point. Because Chris Jans needs bodies. He needs players. Maybe uh, maybe he brings Teddy there with him and they, they continue uh, you know, their tour for one more season in the SEC. Yeah, and Teddy's proven that he can be a not just a good scorer on a Power 5 team, but he can be the leading scorer like he was with uh, Nebraska. So, yeah, he's done it before at a Power 5 level. He could do it again. Now, let's talk about UTEP for a second. Malik Zachary. Adrian wrote about that story that's up right now on the website he committed to utep today so malik zachary the latest utep minor uh following the news that in fact uh, he was going from south plains college over uh to to utep now i'm not 100 percent sure what other teams were looking at Zachary? Did you get the full list, Adrian? Yes, uh, Missouri State, Bethune Cookman, Coastal Carolina, uh, Coastal Carolina, and Longwood University. So it's not exactly a list of mid-major hotbeds, but nonetheless, UTEP needs a point guard. Malik Zachary is the kind of guy that can fit the bill. So, um, you know, fans. Right now, UTEP is—it's just a different kind of—it's—it's uh, it's a different kind of recruiting uh, situation with UTEP versus what we've seen in the past. Um, and you wonder, Adrian, Tay Hardy—that's that's a splash sign because he's a guy that that played well at Southern Miss, could come here to UTEP, do some really good things, help score. They're going to need it once he gets healthy, which I guess he told us would be starting in June, but. 
with four scholarships left, let's just assume for a minute that it's going to be Malik Zachary and Mario McKinney Jr. competing for the starting point guard spot in the 2022-23 season. So if that's the case, and right now as it stands, you've got those two battling it out, and then the uh, the true freshman who's also going to be kind of there hoping to get some minutes, Jamal Sumlin, maybe learn some more behind those two. Look at the rest of the guards right now. You've got Jamari Sibley and uh, and uh, you know Hardy, as we mentioned. Now, Hardy will be your two guard. Sibley could probably play the three if you need him to. And then that leaves the four and the five where you've got currently, um, you know, Zarek Onyema, Kevin Kalou, Jonathan Dos Anjos, and Derek Williams. Derek Williams is the 6'10 Juco. Dos Anjos is the 6'7 Juco. Kalou and Onyema returned from last season. Four scholarships left to go for UTEP. And I am very interested to see where Joe Golding goes for these final four spots, which you still want to bring in potential starters and guys that could be impact players for next season, looking at the way that roster sits currently. So, you know, you got yourself a little more insurance at the point guard spot in a guy that was at Buffalo, had an incident. Um, You know, that's another thing we got to bring up. There was a stabbing at a pickup game while he was at the University of Buffalo, that cost him his spot. So ultimately, he had a plea deal. You hope now that really he gets a second opportunity here at UTEP and Malik Zachary can become that that guy that just you know doesn't have to worry about any problems off the court, produces on the court, and helps deliver for UTEP. We've seen it before. There have been other players over the years that have come to UTEP with some baggage, and they have made the most of their second opportunities. Yeah, and this is an this is an opportunity for Zachary, which really started back at South Plains College because at the junior college level, that was kind of like his last chance right there to to prove that you know he could turn uh, what you know his life around at a. I know he's just a young person, but still, I mean, you make a you make mistakes like this as a young person, and you try to turn your life around. It mm-hmm. seems like he took the first step in trying to do that at the junior college level. I mean, they made it all the way to the Sweet Sixteen, uh, but just some more details on this. So he stabbed a guy in a a basketball game back on September 9th of 2020. Uh, police arrested him two days after that, and they charged him with second-degree assault, fourth-degree criminal possession of a weapon, and then in March of 2021, which is about a year ago, um, you know, a, a year and some change ago, Zachary had his charges reduced to third-degree assault, which is a Class A misdemeanor, and he did not serve any jail time. All right, so there you go. So ultimately, charges were greatly reduced, Played last year at South Plains, was productive, especially in March, and now UTEP's, UTEP gets a point guard. Listen, years ago, Dominic Artis, while at the University of Oregon, was accused of rape. And you know what? UTEP brought him in. He was a model citizen on and off the court, produced for the minors, made the most of his second opportunity, despite all the uh, negative publicity that surrounded him at Oregon at that time. That didn't bother Tim Floyd, made a wise move. Artis was terrific for UTEP and helped them, gave the minors a a very uh, complete point guard when he came in here from the University of Oregon. Now, I'm not going to compare Malik Zachary to Dominic Artis. What you do hope is he's a guy that handles the basketball well, can score uh, a little bit and, and and give them some depth at the point guard spot and now that 
competition between Zachary and uh, McKinney will be a pretty good one to keep an eye on to see who's going to get the starting spot this upcoming season. Yes, you just hope for Zachary that, you know, he's learned from his mistakes in the past. There's been a lot of other guys like that. I think Dominic Artis is a prime example. Uh, Did Keith Frazier come in with some baggage when he he came? He Uh, did. He's another one. Yeah, so that's another. I mean, there have been guys who've come in with some baggage, but hey, the the guys who've done that before, they've tried to turn their life around and and be productive at UTEP. So let's see if uh, Zachary could do the same thing. Absolutely. All right, 18 past. Just getting started here on Sports Talk. We got a lot more to talk about. Hey, you know what we're going to do coming up on the show? How about the Foss joining us and giving us uh, his NFL draft recap? Uh, since he spent, he was there till Sunday. We left Saturday, so he had an extra day on us and find out how what what they were up to uh, in Vegas while uh, we were we were hanging together for the draft. Steve, I'm all about this. Let's let's definitely do this. So we got a lot more in store for you. Let's head on over right now to uh, Charlie One. Kick it off right. He's got a traffic update. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue here on Sports Talk. Um, let me give you a little uh, Foss music here as we bring in the Foss. There we go. This will be a, a trip to remind him of what it was like Friday night at the draft when Ice Cube played for Foss and uh, everybody that was in attendance. So we'll bring him back. Steve Foster uh, joining us right now, 24 past the hour, for his draft wrap-up. Foss, welcome back, man. How are you? Hey, man, just waking up in the morning. Got to thank God. I don't know, but today seems kind of (laughs) odd. Yes, sir. Yes, Uh, sir. I appreciate that cube. I appreciate it. um, You sound a little hoarse. You all right there? You, uh, You take a beating from Vegas? We didn't get much sleep. We had to leave, get up at between two and three, get on the plane out at five, and I'm still, I'm still ready to go. Good yep. for you. So, a little bit, a little bit. Change of the, you know, weather from from Vegas back here may do it. You know, a little airplane, you know, a little craziness. All in all, uh, it was your first draft. How do you, uh, how do you put this uh, with uh, some of the other events you've attended before? Well, Cappy. It's always the company you keep. So it is highly rated, not necessarily because of the overall draft. I think this was a very average overall draft. I think considering the company I kept, well, it's definitely high on the list of events that uh, I have attended uh, throughout my sports and sports media career. I'll tell you this much. You, when we left, you spent all of a Saturday with not necessarily Micah Parsons and Ezekiel Elliott, but with their dads. You hung out with both of their dads, and it sounds like uh, you've become uh, BFFs with uh, Mr. Parsons and Mr. Elliott. Well, it's funny uh, that you say that, and the buddy system, uh, I had met two things. I had met Terrence Parsons prior uh, he, when we broadcast from the Sheraton Arlington, uh, was there and it was, uh, at that time I met him, <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott's dad, I actually coached against him because he was a student athlete at the university of Missouri at Mizzou when I was a grad assistant at Nebraska back in the big eight days. 
So we didn't know that till we started talking and, and you know, kind of acquainting ourselves that, yes, we've been on the field <laughs> simultaneously. That's pretty wild. By the way, how about the fact, I don't think any UTEP minor fan would even know that uh, Ezekiel Elliott's dad was uh, played for Bob Stahl at Missouri during the uh, fifth down game. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It is, uh, you got to know your history and you have to do something um, and and look over what you've done uh, in years past to really, you know, I, you know, people always said, you know, things don't, you know, just don't happen. They happen for a reason. It's very interesting if you take that approach, uh, given some of the things that have happened to all of us, if you really, you know, Stop and think about it. Well, that's true. That is true. Um, we've got the Foss with us uh, here on Sports Talk as we, we do the NFL draft wrap. Now, we talked a lot about the Jets and what they were able to do the first couple of days. Um, when you look at the Cowboys, okay, and you see their draft from top to bottom, does it bother you now as much as it did bother you on Friday when you talk about their first pick? Or do you think that Dallas came out okay with uh, some of their later round selections? Uh, try to I mean, try not to fall asleep. Stay awake for at least at least no, the no, next couple not, of minutes to answer this question if you don't mind. No, it, it's it's not about falling asleep. It, it you know when you have a team that you cheer for and pull for, you know, you know. A whole stadium full, and I'm using that as an analogy of Cowboys fans will say, "Hey, man, we're going to Super Bowl this year." We're going, but you gotta set the homerism and the fandom aside to look at what you know what was done or what wasn't done. I just wish, and I and, and again, I love offensive linemen, but I think you could have got a twofer with your first round pick. If you trade it back, you know, maybe do a deal with Seattle and, and get a couple of their second round. But there were multiple teams that had second round picks that, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, hey, listen, Tulsa, there is one silver lining in the fact that Tulsa produced Drew Pearson. He's one of my all time favorite Cowboys outside of my cousin, Everson Walls. Okay. So maybe this is the next Tulsa guy who got drafted, unlike Drew Pearson, who didn't, that can really come through for the Cowboys. Here's the funny thing, Foss. The Cowboys have drafted very well in the last few years. They really have. They've made uh, pick after pick that's produced, and you know, you look at what they were able to do, especially getting a, a guy like Jalen Tolbert in the third round, and he had monster stats uh, that he put up out at uh, South Alabama, 1,474 receiving yards, similar to like Michael Gallup type numbers. And I hear he's a kind of a similar player. You've also got Sam Williams, who they draft in the second round, that can you know possibly be a guy that can replace uh, what Randy Gregory was able to do. So you know they might they might be okay when it's all said and done. We all look at the at the Tulsa pick with Tyler Smith, but they got some pretty good value later in the draft. And that's true, and 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 that's what I, you know. I I can give them an overall some part grade of a B. You know, I, I still the C plus because I think you could have picked up Tyler Smith 
and gotten an extra pick. Yep. And just think, just think if you could have had one more extra pick with Tyler Smith. I think that would have made me feel, you know, I would have had more appreciation for that. Now, again, like you said, absolutely I agree with you that the Cowboys have picked well and drafted well in, in, in the past few seasons, and that including Micah Parsons. There was a, yesterday there was a big draft. Uh, kind of expose about him and his dad and 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 some others. So it was great to see that uh, come together. But man, if you could gotten Sam Williams and, and and maybe Dean at the same time, and 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 Tyler Smith, ooh, then then I would have definitely been in, impressed. One more player can can make can make you feel a lot different. More with the yep. Okay, hang on. More with the Foss as we continue. I got to get to this bottom of the hour sports center, and then we'll come right back with you. Steve Foster here with us. Continue our conversation. Six hundred ESPN El Paso. Adrian, thank you very much. We're back right now with uh, Steve Foster, who was uh, with us in Las Vegas and uh, giving us uh, his thoughts on uh, the Cowboys. Which, by the way, maybe uh, Jake Ferguson turns into a pretty nice little tight end for him, the uh, former Wisconsin Badger, and now he's a guy that can also uh, maybe take the place of Blake Jarwin. Seemed like they got a lot of guys that they're viewing as replacement players. Maybe not superstars, but guys that can that can definitely get see snaps and 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 help uh you know help replace the guys they lost. Well I, I would agree with you there. And and again a team doesn't need to be a team of superstars, I think, in any sport. Um I think you have to play your role and and do your part to contribute. And that doesn't mean you need a team of superstars. I don't think Tom Brady necessarily had teams of superstars. I think he had a team that together played like a superstar. Yep. By the way, I'm going to tell you something. You know who I, you know which pick I love the most? I love uh, Damone Clark. Now, here's why. He was a stud linebacker at LSU. He was incredible. But he had spinal fusion surgery after a herniated disc was found at the Combine. So, yeah, yeah, it's a gamble. But you know what? It's the kind of gamble I'll take at 176 in the fifth round. You know what, though? I may go get his jersey. Because you know what kept me from returning to football with a spinal fusion. And nothing has ever happened after that point. I mean, I've fallen, I've you know, I've I've had dives in the dirt, you know, I've rolled around playing, you know, everything else including flag football, contact flag football, right? Nothing happened. But knowing that that fusion is there for him and he's a cowboy, I'm pulling for that guy too. Yes. And and I and I I have some love for LSU. Uh, have people that uh, have represented LSU well. So, okay, I'm good. Like I said, you could have really gotten, I think, a little more value for that first-round pick given where you were trying to go if you were Dallas. Is that nitpicky? Yes. But, again, in a in, in a sport where they say it's a game of inches, one player could, could really help that team. Foss, speaking of value for your first pick, how about uh, one of the Cowboys' rivals in the Eagles getting a lot of value for their first-round draft pick as they traded it away uh, to the Tennessee Titans for A.J. Brown? They had a big need at wide receiver. They had a big need at defensive tackle, and they got Jordan Davis from Georgia. Uh, I really liked the draft that the Eagles had, along with adding linebacker Kobe Dean in the third round. 
Yeah, that that one. And you know, um, y'all, we were there sitting down, and and it was almost like you know, because as you interviewed on the show, Cappy, um, is it? Uh, oh my goodness! First name starts with a J. Um, yep, we're talking about Jamie Apodi, the former sportscaster here in exactly. El Paso. Yeah. She's in she's in Philly and her and her camera guy was like, Well, you got Micah Parsons from us the year before, so now we're taking the Kobe Dean from you. I, I think uh, absolutely Adrian, Philadelphia did very well and in, in setting things up for uh a run at the Cowboys in the NFC East. I'm looking forward to it. I think that's going to be a, you know, a, a, a fun little race to watch. Do you give the Commanders and the Giants any shot? I kind of like the Giants, what they did. And and that's probably because you get some of the personality um, of, of some of these top guys. And that's one of the reasons why. And, and thank you uh, to 600 ESPN El Paso allowing us to be on site mm-hmm. because being able to interact with the Kayvon Thibodeau and seeing, you know, a guy like Evan Neal go and, and, and be right there, Cappy and, and, and Adrian, you, you know, literally reach out and touch. Uh, I, I think the Giants did, did very well. I think they did better than Washington in, in the draft. Before I wrap it up with you, today we found out uh, six-game suspension for DeAndre Hopkins because of PEDs. Yeah. I wonder how much the Marquise Brown trade was made with Arizona knowing what was coming. Do you think they just made that deal and, and were blindsided by the news, or do you think they had a uh, feeling and that's one of the reasons why they pulled the trigger? I think I think they, they had some notice. Yep. Uh, the, the league is fairly decent about giving people some heads up about those types of issues. They don't. They don't come out of left field. They they really don't. Not not in in, in many sports would that happen. I, I would think, uh, unfortunately for the player and the team, but they they do get notice. I think so too. So next up for you will be the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton later on in the summer. Yes, and and again another El Paso tie, as I learned to catch a football on the east side of El Paso from now uh, soon to be inducted. Uh, Oakland Raider and Los Angeles Raider wide receiver Cliff Branch, who was uh, from Houston, Texas. Uh, as my parents um, split, uh, my mom had more more ability to to hang out with her girlfriends and things of that nature. Met Cliff. Uh, clearly, she told him about me, and uh, he came over. And then uh, we went to the backyard because definitely I enjoyed football. He also brought Clarence Davis. On another trip, uh, gave us tickets to uh, see the Raiders out in Los Angeles, and uh, was was very you know much uh, one of my favorite all time football players, and uh, you know to be able to see at least his family receive his gold jacket, and, and you know had an influence, a big influence on on me loving the sport of football. Uh, I, I can't be happier. Uh, for their family and good, his sister. Good story, Foss. Good way to end it with us. Hey, I uh, hope you get your voice back soon enough. And uh, before you know it, we'll be back with you, and we'll keep tabs and, and talk to you as we get more and more uh, into the uh, off season with the Cowboys and, and the NFL. And, again, great work with you and Chris and uh, and making sure we were all set and ready to go in Vegas. 
Well, I appreciate it. It's a very um, humbling uh, experience to be wanted to be a part of a team. And, again, that's why I said it's not about superstars. It's about the team. And uh, we worked well together. I think we had a lot of fun. And we served our area and those who, who listen online well in what we did as sports media broadcasters. Well put. All right, Foss. Thanks for the time. We'll talk to you soon. All right, fellas. Great to see you all. Look forward to talking to you again soon. The Foss, Steve Foster with us here on Sports Talk. Follow him on Twitter at Foss underscore sports. Check out all the photos he posted from Las Vegas this past weekend. We'll come back with more right after Eric Elkin, ABC 7 News, then Charlie One right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. 5505-6009. That's 5056009. How about this story? Former Utah basketball player, uh, Arkansas Razorback, Trey Wade, Invited to Arizona Cardinals rookie minicamp. Wow. Wait, to play football? Yes. Wait, Trey Wade? Yes. Wait, this this doesn't happen. Oh, it happened, pal. Eric Musselman with the good luck to Trey Wade in Cardinals rookie minicamp tweet an hour ago. Okay, this, this, I still can't wrap my mind around this. Now, I want to ask you, Steve, Did Sean, was Sean Coogler around? Uh, just, just out of curiosity, was Sean Coogler around when Trey Wade was around here at UTEP? Yes, he was. Then there you go. That's an interesting connection right there. I wonder if Wade had ever spoken to Coogler about playing football, but I do know this, that I don't think he played a, a single down in college football right there. I don't think so either, but how many times do we see basketball players transition? Look, Trey Wade, he might play... Um, pro ball in Europe, but he's never going to play in the NBA. He averaged like three and a half a game, six a game his whole career. So if he has good hands, and you know he's a great athlete because he started for Arkansas, there is a very good chance that he could end up being a tight end in the NFL with that kind of with that kind of body. This has become a trend over this offseason specifically because the Browns today, they signed Marcus uh, Santos Silva, who minor fans right might remember him as the 6 foot 6 forward for Texas Tech. Now, he's transitioning from playing forward over to playing a tight end for the Cleveland Browns. It's a wild story. I mean, it is a wild, wild story. So, um, you know, by the way, um, people are talking about this. And uh, it's really interesting when you start to see it. Um, Here it was. Four days ago, Trey Wade had this tweet, Adrian. I am excited to announce that I will be partaking in the NFL draft. Good luck to everyone who has worked to get to this point, and I can assure you that I will be a great addition to any organization that's willing to take a chance on me. Trey Wade, and now he's going to Cardinals camp. Yeah, that's awesome right there. I'm so happy for him getting this opportunity, Steve, and playing professional sports at this next level. Uh, I'm so curious to see how this works out for him, like how his training uh, has switched over from playing basketball to football. I know he was a physical defender. How's he going to be in the NFL? What position will he go out? No, that's a good point. Meanwhile, Sule Boom has just found his home as a uh, transfer. And Adrian, he went to a place that uh, apparently, you know what? It's He told us last week it wasn't about necessarily school or dollars. He wanted an opportunity to play and win. 
and ultimately he made his choice today. Yes, uh, he's going with Sean Miller out of Xavier. He announced his commitment right now. This has been uh, in the talks for last week. I, I'll be honest with you, Steve. I heard that this was almost done last week, and I still said, eh, I'm not sure. I don't I don't really believe this just yet. Some minor fans could argue that this is uh, more of a lateral move or not that big of a move right there. But let me just say this. If Xavier is going to make Sule Boom their focal point of their offense and run their entire offense through Sule Boom, I think this is a great move for him. And Xavier consistently goes to the NCAA tournament. They're a winning program. This is a program that uh, that Sule Boom could fit right in. And Sean Miller, although he has a lot of baggage with him uh, that he carries from Arizona, he got to see Sule Boom firsthand when the Miners played Arizona a couple years ago. Exactly. No, look, this, this makes sense for a lot of reasons. Uh, Sean Miller was a winner at Arizona. Do you really think he's suddenly going to go to Xavier and lose? Uh, no. There is no way. No way. I'm with you on that completely. So, no, I like this move. I think it's a good one, and uh, congratulations to Sule for making his choice. And uh, now I'll look forward to watching some Xavier basketball. How about that? Yeah, we're going to be uh, watching some Big East hoops. Uh, we got a chance to watch Bryson Williams with Texas Tech. Got a chance to watch FEODG with uh, Troy. Got a chance to watch Anthony Tark with Coppin State. And now you can add Sule Boom with Xavier onto the list. So, uh, Xavier last year was 23-13. and 13. Now, they did, well, weren't very good in the conference, which is why there was a coaching change. 8-11 and 11 in the league, 23-13 and 13 overall. Uh, but look. You know, because it's the Big East, and you're dealing with Providence, now Villanova, um, with a new head coach, UConn, there's going to be a very good chance to see uh, Sule uh, go dancing. That's yes. for sure. I'm with you on that. I think this team is going to be very competitive, and I think uh, if you're making Sule boom your focal point, I think that, that bodes very well for Xavier uh, in, in this upcoming season. we got two calls to get to to begin hour number two of the show, 505-6009. That's our telephone number. We'll get to California Scott in a moment, but first let's go to Rob leading it off. Rob, appreciate it. Thanks for the call. What's up, Rob? Uh, poor Rob. Rob hung on and hung on and hung on, and then he and then, oh. and then he wasn't around when we were uh, taking the call. That's rough for Rob. But it's you know what? Are you there? It's California Scott's benefit. Oh, is it? Oh, wait, I'm so confused. Oh, oh, I apologize. I I hung up on Scott. All right, Rob, what's going on? I got I got mixed up on the lines today. What's going on, Rob? Wait a minute. Now I'm totally confused. All right, I thought I just put lines on. Now let's before. Okay, I have to. I have to make sure I get this right. Rob, what's going on? Hey, you got it, Steve. All right, there we go. So I scrambled the lines, Adrian. I had the wrong two, and that's why they both got confused. Great. Good to hear. All good. What's going on, Rob? How are you? Good, good. Uh, I missed you guys by a week. I'll be in Vegas this week for the fight. Oh, nice. Good for you. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people uh, you know, don't really know uh, too much about uh, Canelo's next opponent, uh, Dimitri Bivol, but um, I can tell you from someone that watches boxing a lot, that's probably going to be his hardest fight in his last ten since Triple G. I think uh, I think he's got his work cut out for him. He's big, he's fast, he's a lot heavier. He's never lost, and then don't get fooled by his record. He's uh, nineteen and zero. He's got about four hundred amateur fights under his belt. Where are um, you sitting for that Canelo fight? Uh, not in the bleachers because we did spend a lot of money, but uh, we have a nice view, uh, kind of near the bottom. 
All right, very nice. So, Just out of curiosity, for a fight like that, uh, are we talking uh, over a grand? About a grand, yeah. Good for you. That's fun. You know what? Hey, man, boxing is boxing. It's a it's the kind of sports bucket list that a lot of fans want to go watch a big fight right there close up, so I'm happy you're doing it in Vegas. Good to hear. Yeah, yeah, and I've, I've been a boxing fan, uh, you know, since probably the De La Hoya days, and I've never gotten a chance to go to an event like this, so it's just like you said, a bucket list item. You know, I do it once. And I get to see a great fight out of it, uh, good undercard, and, and hopefully I get to run into uh, some celebrities next week, and hopefully Canelo pulls it off. But I'm not holding my breath. That guy's really good. Yeah, no doubt. Meanwhile, everybody's still talking about uh, the Amanda Serrano fight against Katie Taylor yeah. on Saturday at the Garden. That was the best atmosphere I've ever seen for a women's fight. UFC, boxing, it wasn't even close. Uh, all the Irish all the Irishmen showed out in New York. All the Puerto Ricans showed out. And if, if you get a chance, go watch the replay. You know, it was a war, and they left it out. And, yeah. they, you know, the, the top one for two pound-for-pound uh, pound fighters. And it, it was just an amazing night. That was a great fight. You're probably going to see a rematch after what happened, especially with a split decision. Yes, and I, I, I thought I had it a draw cause just because Serrano won, I would say, probably the first half of the fight, but... I, I don't know, but one of the judges had Taylor about five rounds, which is absurd. But, yeah, I, I definitely, the, the product that they gave the fans and the atmosphere, I, I could see uh, the second fight going back to uh, Ireland, where, where Taylor's from. But, wow, what a, that was an awesome fight. And uh, that was just a, a good a good night for, for boxing fans in general. It really, absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, listen, have fun in Vegas. Enjoy yourself. And I want to get the lowdown. Uh, when, when do you fly? You fly in on Friday? Uh, no, no, I fly Thursday. Oh, so you um, got to go to the weigh-in. Yeah, so Friday I'm, I'm going to try to go to the weigh-in and some meet and greets and, and hopefully go. run into some, some boxing media or nice. Hall of Famers or something, you know. Good for you, Rob. Good for you. I miss those days. We did that for so many years, so have fun with that. Enjoy yourself, and uh, look forward to get the full report from you, okay? All right, thanks, Steve. Have a good one. You too, Rob. Enjoy yourself out in Vegas this weekend. Excellent. Let's keep moving. As a Sports Talk continues, 505-6009. Now here is California Scott joining us next. Scott, how are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, I just wanted to comment about the recruiting thing. Uh, Let's do it. Recruiting going on. Yeah, you know, with New Mexico State, I know we keep hearing more and more players, but in a, in a, in a way I like the way Joe Golding's doing it better as far as here you have Mario McKinney. To me, he's a clear starter, four-star recruit at point guard. And then he's got someone who's a freshman like Jamal Sumlin who knows he's going to have to, you know, earn his playing time. And on New Mexico State, it seems like they're getting some not elite players, but really good players. But a lot of them play at the same position. And then what happens next year? They leave. You know, I I don't necessarily think that's that they're better off because of that. Scott, I kind of feel think? like they're leaving no matter what these days. I feel like players do well, they leave. Players don't play, they leave. Players decide they 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 what you know they could do something else someplace else. They go. I mean, it almost seems like you cannot recruit to try to keep a roster together because the the end result of college basketball now and college sports for that matter is you have to recruit year to year. 
you cannot recruit hoping to keep a team together for two or three years because the end result is you're going to lose them. And that's just the facts. So nowadays, just try to build the best team you can for next year. And then the year after that, the season after that, you'll worry about the next season. You know what I mean? Because you, yeah. you just got to, you, you can't, the game has changed to where you can't try to build a program anymore. Yeah. Although, you know, like Jamal Sumlin, he's, he's a really good player. Um, but he's, he's not even he's a zero star recruit. I don't think someone like that expects to be a starter. And yet, you know, if he does stick around for a while, he's going. I mean, the way Joe Golding, we see, we saw last year how he was great at player development because a lot of these guys they up their game a huge a huge amount. But I agree. You know, other, but I but I also yeah. Scott, I don't have any. I don't have any. Um, expectations for for freshmen like that. I just don't. I mean, he's he's number three on the depth chart as it stands right now, a point guard, and which is probably what you expect for a freshman like that that that, that you know doesn't really have as much recruiting ability. So hopefully he shines enough in practice. I'll say this: if he's good or any good at all. Joe's going to play him. I mean, we saw that last year. He played Cam Clardy. He played Emmanuel White. He played anybody he could get his hands on as long as they showed enough in practice to warrant some playing time. Yeah. I, one other thing is I just wanted to say is it seems like there's been, you know, on social media a sense of panic like UTEP's not getting anybody. But I really feel they got four starters. You got Mario McKinney, Tay Hardy. Jonathan Dos Anjos, which, by the way, it's going to—I think you'll find it's going to be Anjos because he's from Brazil and they—they they pronounce their J's like that. My son's married to a Brazilian. Okay, Dos Anjos, got it. And, yeah, and then uh, Sibley. So what do they need? They really all they need is, and they might get it as a graduate transfer, some big guy that is a beast on the boards and can score and at least maybe low double figures, and that's a pretty good roster. Give me your starting four again, just to make sure I've got them. I would say Mario McKinney at point guard. Okay. Because he was a four-star recruit, and if he, if you see some of his tape, if, you know, he's elite, you know, if he, if he can get to that level playing with UTEP. Then you got Tay Hardy, shooting guard. Right. You have Sibley, if they say he's going to be on the perimeter, small forward. Anjos, who's 6'8", he's a beast on the boards, and then you need a big guy. Because Derek Hamilton, from what I've seen, I don't know if he's going to be to the level they're going to need. Well, that's the key. And then, but remember, you also have Kevin Kalu, and you also have uh, Zarek Onyeh. True. True. Yeah. But I'm with you. Although I'd like to see another. Yeah. I'd like to see another skilled big who can come in and get a starting spot. Absolutely, in a yep, heartbeat. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot. Enjoy the show. Appreciate you, I Scott. Thanks for calling okay. in. Take care. 16 past. The sports talk continues. 505-6009. How about that, Adrian? Scott, believing right now that there are four players that right now you could look at this roster and say are starting caliber players. I'm not ready to say that yet. I still I still want to see how far along this team comes along in the offseason. I also want to say that the, some of those starters that he reeled off haven't had a real starting time at the college basketball level sure. or the Division One level. So let's see how far along they come in the, in the summer and in fall training sessions to see where 
where they'll they'll be when it's all said and done. And then I, I go back to what you said. Joe Golding's not afraid to play anybody, whether it's a freshman, junior college transfer, D1 transfer, guy he's kept uh, from last year. You have to earn your playing time, which I like with uh, Joe Golding's staff and, and his team. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that you can't take for granted. You can't just assume that any of these guys will be solidified starters from day one. When we come back, plenty of uh, players at UTEP targeted found other spots today, including one from right here in El Paso. We'll tell you about that and a whole lot more. Sports Talk continues, but first, out to Charlie One for this traffic update, 17 past, as we roll on. Malik Zachary, the latest minor to join the team. Before, by the way, thanks to King Eric. I know I said uh, Derek Williams earlier. It's Derek Hamilton, the 6'10 Juco big man, Derek Hamilton. Also, I found out Sule Boom. It will be going to uh, Xavier to play um, for Sean Miller, the new head coach out there with uh, with Xavier. So that's big. The Musketeers, right? That's right. Yeah, the Musketeers. All right. So Sule Boom will be a Musketeer after being a minor. Before that, uh, he was a Don. So uh, good job uh, for Sule picking his new home. Um, there's still a ton of minors in the portal that haven't picked their new homes. You know that? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we've only heard uh, this is only the third one that we've heard as far as their destination. The first one being Emmanuel White to Western New Mexico, Titus Verhoeven going off to Northwestern, and now we're hearing Sule Boom to Xavier. Uh, yeah, interesting that you know you, there's still guys like Keontae Kennedy on the horizon who you're waiting for news with them, uh, and then some of the other off the bench products from UTEP who entered the portal like Christian Agnew, Jarrell Satterfield, and so on. You're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, by the way, Chad Middleton pointed this out a moment ago. Antonio Gates never played a down of college football. He wanted to, arrived at Michigan State wanting to play football and basketball, but Saban told him, we would only play football if you played for me. You wouldn't get to play two sports. So he chose basketball, went to Eastern Michigan, then later went to Kent State. Never played a down of football. But because the NBA told him he was a tweener at 6'4", decided to go try out for football, and then the rest is history. Became one of the greatest tight ends in the history of the sport. That's a great, a great reference right there. Rico Gathers, another one who never played uh, college football. Uh, he is a tight end, of course, for the Dallas Cowboys. You can look at other guys like Eric Swan for a defensive tackle with Arizona, and Michael Lewis of the of the New Orleans Saints. He played wide receiver for them. Uh, he never played a single down of college football. I think it's cool. I think it's great that uh, Trey Wade gets an opportunity to uh, you know stick on the Cardinals roster. And who knows? Here's uh, those two. Uh, so funny. Sean Coogler was still coaching football when Trey Wade was a UTEP. Yeah, that's right. Maybe he, uh, if he didn't transfer over to Wichita State following that offseason, maybe he would have played uh, dual sports with the minors in, in both football and basketball. Let me double check my timeline on that just to make sure I'm right. So, what was uh, Dana Dimmel's first year here? 2018? 2018. That's right. So, Trey Wade's first season was the 2017 2018 season. So, there you go. Yeah, definitely. So, but I don't know. I mean, but that was Trey Wade's freshman year. I'll say this, though. Wade was on campus all the way back in 2016. Yeah, he was a Prop 48 guy. Ah, that is interesting. By the way, 6'6", 205 pounds. What is Trey Wade going to play? Yeah, that's right. I mean, can he play? I think receiver, cornerback, or defensive back makes a lot of sense for Trey Wade. 
a six six defensive back? Yes, yeah. There you was, have a ball there's, hawk. There's no such thing as six six defensive backs. There's there? there's not really such thing as six six football players. Really, I mean, uh, when you get up there and you get at that size, you're playing receiver. You're playing yeah, tight end. Yeah, tight end. Maybe he's a specialist. Too. Maybe he has great hands. Yeah, maybe that's the case. It'd be kind of fun. If he's a tight end, he's got to be one of those like Kyle Pitts type of tight ends who's very lean because he's a skinnier guy at, what, 220 at most? That's true. That is true. Meanwhile, there's a pair of uh, former minors that are having now invites to NFL rookie minicamp just like Trey Wade. Uh, in fact, uh, Darta Lee will be going to the Houston Texans and Quadres Wadley going to the Miami Dolphins. Now, let's talk about these two for a minute. Adrian... Crazy enough, Q Wadley has been at UTEP since 2016. It just it blows your mind. That's crazy. When you realize how many years he's been in El Paso. Um, he's missed parts of nearly three seasons due to injuries. Missed his sophomore year in 2017. Then he missed, um, I believe, 2019 and 2020. And then came back in 2021. And you know, played well last year when he had the opportunity to. It's a it's a log jam at running back, so you know Q didn't get a chance to really get as many carries as he would have liked. But I'm interested to see what's going to happen with him and the Dolphins. When he joined us on the show before, you know, his pre-draft process and following his uh, pro day, Q was uh, was telling us on the radio that he was really looking to be kind of like that scat back type of running back. He would be somebody who can uh, catch out of the backfield. Teams really liked his hands and what he could do in that regard. So uh, I could see him being that kind of player. And, you know, also I could see him being a specialist. Uh, so very good for Quadres Wadley, who, by the way, when he was at UTEP and he had those first two seasons, he had so much upside. Everybody oh, yeah. can continue to compare him to Aaron Jones and what kind of trajectory he could have. You're 100% right about that. And I've always wondered what a healthy Quadres Wadley could do in the pros. Very true, and that's the biggest thing. Durability and health. Quadres Wadley just needed this opportunity. Now it's up to him to make the most of this. And, hey, just like uh, you know, his now teammate in Nick Needham, maybe he can make the most out of this opportunity. Well, you imagine that if um, Wadley can get through rookie minicamp and get an invite to training camp, he would get to see Nick Needham over there. That'd it, be cool. Yeah, it's also weird that he saw Nick Needham come to UTEP and then leave at UTEP while he was still there. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a really good point. Were they in the same class in 2016? No, I don't think so. I think like uh, I think they're maybe the same age, maybe maybe not. But I, I do know that Quadres Wadley's up there in age. Um, and I don't know this for a fact, but um, was Needham a freshman at UTEP? Did he um, did he play all or did he transfer? No, I think he was a transfer. I, I do. I, he's Nick Needham's 25 years old. Um, I, I believe Quadres Wadley's uh, about either the same age or maybe even uh, a year older. Oh, really? All right. I got to double check on that, but yeah, most definitely with, with Nick Needham uh, being someone. I, I don't think he uh, was a. Let me was check. A the, let me here. check the class of 2016 at UTEP. Let me see who was on that list. See if Needham was on that too. Um, you know what, Steve? It looks like they were. It, it looks like Nick Needham was a redshirt player, uh, and before you know, he he actually did start at UTEP all his all his uh, time. He didn't finish out his college career because he left early as a junior, but he came to UTEP out of Buena Park High School. Twenty seventeen. Yep, twenty seventeen. That's right. But he redshirted in twenty fourteen. Oh, he was on the twenty fourteen class. That's right. Yep. Really? Yeah, that's right. Huh. I didn't realize Needham was here in 2014. 
I didn't either. I think he You're first. Right. Yeah, there I think is. he first saw playing time. Um, you know, when he was probably a sophomore or a freshman. I think mostly it was his sophomore season when he got uh, a chance to start. And you're really look for Nick Needham. You're looking at his sophomore and junior seasons as the two best years for him as a lockdown corner. I thought so. Hey, by the way, is Walter Dawn still on the roster? Yes, he is. He's, he was in the 2016 class. How about that, right there? That's that's crazy. That's so was Ronald Awat. He was in the wow. 2016 class. They got some veterans on this group, huh? I didn't even realize how many guys they've got that, that have been around the block for UTEP. No wonder we're so high on the football team. There's guys that have been there six years. I'd be pretty high with the minors, too, at that point. Yeah, you've, you've got players who've seen literally the absolute worst with this program. You have players who have seen Sean Kugler, Mike Price, and now Dana Dimmel as their head coaches. It's amazing, really, when you start to think about it. Or think about all the offensive coordinators they've cycled through throughout that time. That's true. That is true. So, Darda Lee, now, he came to UTEP from junior college. Uh, he is also uh, getting the opportunity with the Houston Texans. Excited about that because here's a guy that, when he was healthy, was pretty much a fixture on the left tackle for the Miners. This is a, an example right here of where your pass could really carry you because Darda Lee had, had uh, experienced some injuries over his college career, but at, in high school, he was a top 50 offensive lineman. In his first stint at college, he actually actually played for Illinois and he played a, a good majority of, of the season for the fighting Illini and also you know at Kilgore he really uh, was able to showcase what he could do at the offensive line so these past two seasons with the minors Darta Lee has been able to parlay what he's done throughout his career and then turn it into a pro football minicamp stint I'll say this UTEP's done very well with keeping players at the school all uh, five six seasons depending on how they've uh, been able to produce and you know, you start going back and looking at all these commitment classes from 2014, 2015, 2016, and 17. There's a lot of minors still on that roster right now. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny to look at some of those pr uh, previous rosters and see who is still here from those groups. Uh, and yeah, this is a prime example. I mean, having Walter Don still on the team and and just seeing barely, you know, Quadres Wadley leave this group. It just shows you uh, how how some of these guys really stick it out with the UTEP football team. Bottom of the hour, more in a moment. 505-6009, our telephone number. You can tweet the show at 600 ESPN El Paso. Coming up in 30 minutes, Lou Romano in our Lubingo studios. Going to chance to spend some more time with Lou. He's got the time for us now. So we'll do that coming up right after Adrian and this Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. As we continue here on the program again. Our telephone number is 505-6009. That gets you right on in and through as uh, Sports Talk rolls along with you here on a Monday. And uh, we'll get Lou on the show uh, coming up at the top of our 6 o'clock hour. Uh, meanwhile, you've got um, – let's talk about this Hopkins story. It's a big, big deal. The Cardinals, you know, they, they, they're they a team that – it's. It, they frustrate you because they've got so much talent and they just haven't been able to live up to the hype uh, these last couple of seasons. And now you got the Kyler Murray drama with what's happening with him. And to make matters worse, you're going to be without D-Hop for six weeks because of PEDs. Adrian, we don't hear about a lot of PED suspensions anymore in the NFL with big-name players. This is a rarity. 
this is a bad one too because DeAndre Hopkins was supposed to have a bounce back year coming up in the in this fall and it was a unproductive season for him by all accounts he he just didn't put up the numbers like he's used to putting up the numbers and we had speculated earlier did the Cardinals know about this in the pre-draft process when they ended up trading for uh, Hollywood Brown uh, the answer it seems like is uh, all pointing to yes they did know this would be happening and it, it just shows you right here Steve you, you you shouldn't be involved in things like this if you're a marquee player and you could really really hurt your team the Cardinals have already w- uh, have been through a weird offseason to say the least with Kyler Murray putting out cryptic uh, comments all across social media and the Cardinals not signing him to an, a contract extension you don't want to pile up more for this uh, offseason in the Arizona Cardinals as they just try to get to the playoffs for the first time in a while Meanwhile, Hopkins is someone who is about to turn 30 on June the 6th, and think about what happened to him last year. He missed three games in the middle of the season with a hamstring injury, then he misses the final four games of the regular season plus the wild card loss to the Rams after suffering that MCL injury. You wonder, is this suspension a result of while he was rehabbing, maybe trying to uh, rehab and get get healed a little quicker than uh, than otherwise. I don't know. I mean, it's so hard to say. I mean, it's all speculation at this point. But PEDs is something that you just you know you don't hear with big name athletes, especially in the NFL, very often. Yeah, I don't like this story at all. I really don't. And uh, yeah, Mike, you know, a little correction on my end with the wild card loss to the Rams. But before that loss uh, this past season to lo- to L.A., uh, the Cardinals hadn't been back to the playoffs since they had the likes of you know Carson Palmer. So back in 2015, so the Cardinals really haven't had much success in the postseason. So their quest to try to get there, it was supposed to be with the help of DeAndre Hopkins, with the help of Kyler Murray and guys like that. But I, I don't know, Steve. You're, you're having all these dark clouds across. Across the board, whether it's Hopkins PED scandal right now and suspended for six games, or if it's Kyler Murray being upset with the front office, this has just been kind of a weird offseason for Arizona, just all you know in total. And I, I don't really love, I didn't really love their draft by any means. I know they got the tight end from Colorado State, Trey McBride, uh, in the second round, but beyond that, I don't know if they did enough to you know fix the problems that they had, and I don't know if they're good enough to win the NFC uh, West, which is so tough like we like we always talk about yeah I'm looking at the list right now of suspensions and again it's hard because sometimes you you look at substances and you know there's PEDs and then there's also uh weed but I mean you look at some of the names out there and um I'm trying to remember if Randy Gregory was PEDs. I can't remember on that one right there, but that's a good name to maybe bring up in that regard. Uh, just, you know, talking about things like durability, you mentioned the past games that DeAndre Hopkins missed this past year. How about this? He just missed two games in the first eight seasons of his career. So, yeah, when he's going on the other side of 30 and when he's uh, experienced some of these injuries like he has, yeah, th- this is unfortunate that DeAndre Hopkins is involved with something like PEDs. So, apparently, this is uh, an interesting thought. Uh, Since 2001, NFL players have been suspended for performance-enhancing drugs and related substances at least 258 times, including at least 82 times in the past five years. That's according to a newly published database compiled by USA Today Sports. The violations have affected every team in the league and every position on the field. That's interesting. I didn't think it was that big. 
Yeah, I didn't think it was either, but yeah, it just shows you that they they still test for this. This is still outlawed in the league. It could be a big-name star like DeAndre Hopkins, or it could be just your average player on an NFL roster. They're going to still come down as hard on you if you violate these rules. And for the Cardinals right now, they're going to be dealing with Hollywood Brown, A.J. Green, and Rondale Moore as their three wide receivers uh, for the Cardinals going into the fall. Here are some of the bigger names. Uh, Years ago, it was Jordan Willis, who was suspended six games to start the season from the 49ers. We had Julian Edelman, who also drew a, uh, a, um, I think it was a four-game suspension for PEDs, which I remember. Um, But, you know, NFL's having to deal with it, and obviously now... The Hopkins one is uh, is bad. By the way, most frequent violators, according to USA Today, defensive linemen and linebackers. Maybe that makes sense for injuries or things like that that they could experience, but still, uh, well, obviously, it doesn't give any excuse right there, and it's still very interesting to kind of look back and see which uh, players have been dinged with uh, PED uh, reports or suspensions. 39 past. The sports talk continues. Come back with more in a moment. Stay with us. It's 600 ESPN El Paso. past the hour you know that music it's time for adrian's movie review where adrian takes one of 70 plus films that were recommended to him months ago from all of our listeners trying to catch up on everything he's missed over the last uh, 35 years and he goes one by one reviews them gives us his synopsis and rating Adrian, what a cinematic masterpiece are you going to review for our listeners this week, or this I today? I don't know about a masterpiece, Steve, but uh, I definitely wanted to keep it topical after our weekend in Vegas. So I watched Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. All uh, right. By the way, whoever recommended this one, uh, I, I need to have a conversation with you. It's a, it a crazy one. I want to know if you were on something when you uh, recommended this to us uh, on the show. But this is based on a book back in the 70s, uh, and this also takes takes place in the 70s. This one was rated 7.5 out of 10 by IMDb. It was rated 49% on Rotten Tomatoes, and Metacritic gave it 41%. It stars Johnny Depp in this movie, who plays Duke. And uh, I guess it kind of takes... Like, I was trying to think about, how do I describe this movie? Because this movie is all over the place. But I guess I could tell you what what it starts off with. Duke and Gonzo are headed to Vegas to cover this, like, motorcycle race. And, you know, they're supposed to write about it. They talk about it all that that kind of stuff but it just turns into a drug crazed movie it's just non-stop drugs and uh they just do all this so I, I thought about this we could not have had polar opposite experiences if i had to put duke and gonzo versus me and steve in las vegas they did acid they were doing crazy drugs all around uh one of the best parts is when uh i think it's uh, duke is throwing a grapefruit over to gonzo and then locks him in the bathroom but all these the both these guys have like these weird trips like all across the board so they're hallucinating they're seeing all these different um i I guess like mysterious people and mysterious uh once they see 
see the person. That person actually ends up distorting and turning into something else. What was the what was the weirdest thing we did? Probably when we uh, did a Long Island iced tea at O'Shea's. That was probably Seriously. as tough as it got for us on this trip. Well, I think the toughest part was actually seeing some of the people out there or smelling what oh. they were doing over there in Vegas. But yes, uh, I would say uh, this one is gets a four out of ten bananas for me. Uh, definitely a snoozer, but uh, one, one of those. I think it's a cult classic now, Steve. It, apparently, it was low budget, oh, and, no. and now it's uh, turned into, from what I read, a cult classic. I mean, if you're going to talk about a Vegas movie, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, I mean, you've got The Hangover. Wouldn't that be the movie of all movies? Yeah, but I've, I've already seen that one. That That's the best movie out of all the Vegas ones. Have I, you seen, have you ever seen Vegas Vacation? No, I have. Oh, wait, wait, National Lampoon's yes. Vegas Vacation. Yes. Yeah, yes. I have. All right. I love that movie. That's See, those are two way better ones than this one. Casino? Haven't seen Casino. You've seen Goodfellas? Yes, I've seen. Goodfellas. All right, then you need to go see Casino. Okay, right? I'll throw Casino on the list. Yeah, please add that to the list. That would be great. Be good to know as we uh, wrap up our number two and get ready for Lou Romano uh, to begin our our third and final hour uh, here on this show, which uh, is going to be uh, fun for us when we get a chance to talk to Lou um, and. And discuss everything going on with him. I want to know what Lou's going to be doing with himself now, now that he's not off TV after all these years. What uh, What's next up for Mr. Romano? We'll get a chance to do that uh, coming up here on the program and uh, talk a little bit more about that. Adrian, um, I know we've discussed a lot of college basketball signing news, but very important to note that there is no rush at this point, right? Because now that the portal is full, if you sign a guy tomorrow – in June or in August, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you you want to fill up your roster so they're here in summer school, they can practice and work out. But there's there's no there's there's no need to have to hit a certain deadline at this point. Yeah, now you can at least pinpoint the guys who are actually in the portal versus the guys who are with their current roster. So May first deadline or April thirtieth deadline was just to enter the portal right now. So no rush for other UTEP prospects. You did mention one thing that was kind of interesting, and I will agree with you there. When we were walking on the draft, I'm not going to lie to you folks, the smell of weed in Las Vegas was everywhere outside. It was nothing short of unbelievable. You're not supposed to be able to smoke on the streets. And when you went outside, and that place was packed. The draft area by Caesars and the link was packed. I mean, I don't think people in Vegas care one bit. Somebody else brought a really interesting point to me. You know what they said? It's cheaper to smoke weed than it is to drink in Vegas. Yeah, I heard Case that Case in point, that Long Island iced tea from O'Shea's, which, by the way, it's just as strong now as it was 20 years ago the first time I had it, $17 a pop. 17 bucks. Now, you think about that, okay? You want to have four of those, that's $64 of alcohol. Think about, you know, the, uh, the advantage... For some people out there in Vegas, of probably wanting to smoke versus drink, it's cheaper, and that could be why more people do it. Who knows? It was just jarring because, I mean, like, Steve, people are honestly like, what is it? It, debauchery is, is on full display when you go to Vegas. And, like, people are legit smoking blunts when you're getting ready to, to go on a poker table. It's crazy. Mm. Like, they're smoking indoors, outdoors, whatever it is. And then drinks-wise, just get the free drinks, right? Because if you're spending anything at an actual bar, it's ridiculous out there. It is. So you went, uh, played a couple tables for a couple days, drank for free, you won, 
You beat Vegas on uh, this right. weekend. Congratulations. You beat Las Vegas, Adrian. Thank you, Steve. I, I uh, take all full credit with beating Vegas. Will you go back? Yes. I, I can't wait to go back. I really liked it. Good. You going to take uh, your fiance? Yeah, I think Alyssa would really like it. I think she, she'd she be a fan. Uh, we talked about it. You know, they have a lot of shows out there, too. That's, that's they something do? That she, yeah. Vegas has shows? <laughs> she would love that. She'd love I'm the sure. shows. There's aspect. a ton. Doesn't matter. What, whatever you want to see is there. Anything. Music, magic, comedy, every it's all there. You're right, 100%. Okay, we're coming back. Lou Romano, Hour 3. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Final hour of Sports Talk underway with you here on a Monday afternoon. He's Adrian Broaddus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Normally at this time, Lou Romano is in between sportscasts. We never get him on in our 6 o'clock hours, but we got him today uh-huh. because Lou's final sportscast uh, was uh, last Friday, so that means he's got a little extra time on his hands right now, although he's so busy, he's got something going on each and every day. Welcome back. Good to see you. <laughs> Guys, have to, your Vegas stories, Adrian, are classic. That was his first trip, you said, right? First ever trip. Yes. Never been there before. Did you-, <laughs> you ever been to Vegas? Yeah. Many times when we get off the air, I'll tell you some stories you won't believe. Can you say <laughs> one on air? Uh, yeah, real quickly. Uh, I lost 13 large at the roulette table once. Ooh. And the only way I was able to get to the airport was I had a $5 chip in my pocket, and that's how I got to the airport with the cab. Okay, that's an was excellent that money. story. In fact, Gary Warner and Estella Casas had to buy me meals for a week until we got paid. Seriously? That was when I was at Channel 7. Yeah, that was a, that was a rough night, Cap. 13 big a, ones, huh? Yeah. Uh, I was with Mike Ehar. I know you remember him. I that do. Was, uh, that, the, the sick part, Adrian, was after I got up around eight or nine grand, I told the guy that I was with, run up to our hotel room, stick this in the safe. That's where the worst we come out of this is, you know, I had eight or, eight or nine large. And sure enough, I start losing, and I demand that he go back up to that room oh, and no. get that money. That was the big mistake. Oh, man. And to this day, my father, rest in peace, had he found that out, because that's basically a down payment at that time, Yep, a down payment on a house. So had my dad found that out, I'd have been in bigger trouble. My you know, so, goodness. Yeah. Wow. So the moral of the night. story is when you win. See, that's what Adrian did. He won. He put away the money that he started with and said, all right, this is now what I'm, what I'm going to do the rest of the trip as I'll just use this money. And he turned, uh, he turned it into more money. That was the way to do it. Yeah, not, uh, not me. At least not at that time. Now I told totally But you were did. up. You were up eight or nine at the time. <clears throat> Steve, it was so big that they stopped the table. Adrian, they stopped the table. And people in the casino had heard what was going on. So they came over to where I was rolling. And let me tell you. The, oh, this is craps. Yeah. No, no. It was uh, 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 the roulette table. Roulette? Okay. So you yeah. just said rolling. And I'm thinking you're well, throwing. Well, I was playing. Okay, I was playing. Right, right, right. So they stopped in order to have the pit bosses come over. And they're throwing me the, the Rain Man suite. And don't forget, you get the free breakfast, the free dinner, whatever, whatever. So they were stopping the game. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to stop the game. It's like stopping us in the middle of a rally. You know, we just scored four runs, and now we got a rain delay. You know what I mean? I, I want to keep going. Well, the, the way it was working at that time, I'm sitting at the table like this, and I would wait for the dealer to roll the ball. And if you guys ever notice, there are two size balls on the roulette table. they got the bigger one and the smaller one. 
And that's when they start to get you. Well, I was on to those guys, so I knew exactly what they were doing. So I would not place my bet until the ball was rolling on the wheel. And it was the right. You had to make sure it was the right ball, yeah, right? You didn't yeah. want the, what you, you wanted the small or the big. Yeah, no, I was. I wanted the small. Yeah, I wanted the smaller one. Yeah. So I would wait, and this big guy, I'll never forget it, looked like, and I never saw his face. All I saw was his arms. I'll never forget it. He was wearing a a cutoff jean jacket, no sleeves, just these giant. Tan, ripped arms with veins everywhere. And I know he was with two really pretty girls because I saw them. And he's right behind me. And he puts his hand down. You can see the arms and the veins. He's right next to me. And he starts tapping me. Come on, bud. The wheel. You know, the, the ball's about to fall on a number. <laughs> he's like, come on, bud. Come on, bud. And he just dropped a $100 bill on me. I'm like, oh, my God. I hope this hits just for this guy's sake. He's going to throw me through the wall if it doesn't hit. Yeah. And I never saw the guy's face. And he rushed me. And I went ahead and put, you know, my, my, my bet on black. And we won. And he won. And he made his 100 He was very happy. But had that landed on red or green, uh, he, he would have killed me. So I'll, well, I'll luckily for you, that. it happened. They always say, always bet on black. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Actually, that night I was hitting the greens, which are the zeros and double zeros. Yo, really? That's a tough and one to I do. I was able to get ahead because I hit like four or five of those in a row. How'd you do that? Just got lucky. Just total that's, luck. Yeah, Vegas is no luck. strategy. Yeah. That's, that's, that's true. Mm-hmm. Man, oh, man. Anyhow, By the way, just so, out of curiosity, how long did it take you to lose all the money you won? Just because you always say you win fast, you lose fast. How long did it take you to lose it? I can't remember because the the girl who was bringing the rum and cokes over, mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't get enough of her. So, no, so you, you stayed, you stayed at the table, table as long as it took. <laughs> yeah. So, oh my god! I remember exactly what she looked like too. That's you know, a great. So that's a good story. It was, it was a great. Like it was a fun night. All right, I, I would like do it that. again. There if you, you ask me, I would do it again. All right, Lou Romano here with us. Inside our 600 ESPN El Paso Lubingo Studios, 915-505-6009. Our telephone number to get into the program, that's 505-6009 as we continue. Uh, was it emotional for you Friday night? Uh, <clears throat> Steve, you know, I, uh, it, it, was, uh, it, it was not until the very end because that's when, you know, Sandra Diaz decided to come in even though her newscast ended a long time ago. Yes. She decided to stick around. Uh, Kira Miner, who does weather on the CBS4 side, uh, she's usually doing something weather-related, but she'd come out in front of her weather area. John Purvis, who I've known for the longest time, uh, was anchoring that night, and I could just see him put the pen down and take the glasses off and just kind of sit back, and that's when out of the corner of my eye, I'm like, okay, they, uh, they're expecting something here, and that's when it kind of hit me a little bit, and then when I talked about the kids for a second, yeah. uh, but I was able to recover in time and, and, and get through that. That's good. So really, when, when you started talking about the family, that's when, yeah. it, that's when it got a little, little emotional. Well, it, it played a large role. I mean, Steve, you know yeah. what those hours are like, you know, and now that you have Joel, you know, you, you, you get true. it. Adrian doesn't know yet, but he will, you know, and you start missing, you know, the, the big game, or you miss the the science project or helping them with the homework that you know you could help them with, but you can't because, you know, the <laughs> sled of boys are playing in a playoff game that night or whatever it might be. So it, it, it was just time. Yeah. Just time. How, how old are the kids now? They are 17 and 15. Wow. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, those are, yeah, so those are their peak years for high school right now, and you want to be there for the rest of that. Oh, without question. Yeah. You know, and I, I get the whole thing going, too, so with, with the booster club, you know, helping out with the concessions. And, oh, really? You know, you're I'm, all over I'm the place. Fully, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally engaged. Absolutely. You're, you're also taking care of the uh, Coronado High baseball field, aren't you? You know, I, I do get to do some work out there. March was the key month, but that was the March, of course, March Madness. 
you know, with CBS. Yeah. So I wasn't able to do as much. But yeah, out there pulling the weeds, helping Coach Orozco at the mound. And, you know, you get out. Of, I bring the dog out there. He goes running around chasing the squirrels. So he has a ball while I'm out there. So yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. And on your last day, you left with a scoop, tipping everybody off about the two year extension for Dana Dimmel. Well, yeah, that, that actually um, broke after the New Mexico Bowl. I don't know if you remember, <clears throat> but when UTEP was leaving the field with Fresno, Jim Center was congratulating the UTEP football players as they came off the field and went into the cool-down period. Yeah. And that's when I turned to Jim. Because remember, that, UTEP had a nice showing. Could have won that game. Mm-hmm. They, they could have won that game. 100%. So I just turned to Jim, and I said, Jim, you've got to give him an extension. How much longer are we going to wait here? He goes, oh, actually, we're working on it. And I said, you going to go on camera and say that? He says, yeah. So instead of going in and talking to the miners for post game, we went and got the quick soundbite from Jim, Jim Center about the extension. And at that time, they were working on it. Right. So in you know, every couple of weeks, I would lob a phone call and Jim, where are we? Jim, where are we? And he goes, well, listen, once it gets, I can't, I can't confirm or deny because the Board of Regents has to sign off on it. So all I did was call the Board of Regents and say, listen, when are you guys going to put this on the agenda? And they told me, and sure enough, they called me that morning and said, yeah, Lou, it's here. Here it is if you want it. That's all. So yeah, but it was nice to be able to I, I don't look at it that way, Steve. Like, I went out with a scoop. You know, it was something people needed to know. I'm just glad it happened on my last night, not there you go. today. Yeah, that, you that, that's a good point. Because apparently, not only did they give uh, Dana Dimmel a two-year extension, they gave Ben Wallace a five-year extension. Yeah, well, what he's done, well, remember, he's got the beach volleyball now, too. Exactly right. He's now the director of volleyball. Yeah, and he should be. He is He is amazing with, with the way he thinks and thinks outside the box and is always looking to grow. And mm-hmm. he, he's center did a great job uh, getting Coach Wallace in there. And, of course, Coach Dimmel, too, You know who you know I love. A hundred percent. I know. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's the thing too, is that you've been you've been through so much of this, it's hard to believe. Jim <laughs> Center is your third YouTube athletic director in the last but that's isn't that amazing that in thirty two years they've only had three athletic directors. Yeah. I mean, it was John Thompson, right. then Bob Stoll, now Jim Center. Right. And that spans thirty that spans your entire career from when you arrive to when you're out. It does. John, well, I was I was here for Hovius. You did get for Hovius. Yeah, for so like was six here months in, of Hovius. So Hovius was in 90. Yeah. When I wow. first got here, Brad Hovius was, because uh, he, he's the one who hired David Lee, if I remember right. I believe so, yes. Yes, that's right. I, I, I'm getting old now, Cap. I can't really. So Hovius was replaced uh, by Thompson, who right. was replaced by Stahl, <laughs> right. who was replaced by Center. <laughs> yeah. Still pretty yeah. good. Yeah, no, it's been, uh, l- listen, I've, you know, b- between New York City and Phoenix, listen, there's nothing like going to you know, the A-Rod news conference or the hiring of Larry Brown to coach the Knicks. And, and that stuff is great and everything, you guys. And uh, it, it's always a thrill because when you're there, you're around so many of the big timers. But at the end of the day, of my top ten memories, you know, eight or nine of them come from from being employed here in El Paso. At the same time, you were working in New York during 9-11. That was, uh, <laughs> that was something else, let me tell you. Yeah. Because, because you they, had just left El Paso a year earlier. I think 2000 is when you left Channel 7. And then um, a year and a half later, bingo, here comes 9-11. Yeah, that was, um, that was an incredible day. And what I remember the most about that day, Steve, was the way, you know, usually when you have situations like that in most cities, there are the rioters and the looters and, you know, who, who's committing crimes. I saw none of that. In fact, it was the opposite. People put, remember, we had no stoplights and no cell phones. The towers were down. Mm-hmm. So people, how long, how long was there no cell phones in New York City? I would say three days. Yeah. Because I had cousins who worked around Wall Street and I'm trying to reach them and I couldn't. 
And I knew what time they got to work and everything, and it wasn't like a day or two later when they finally got back to me. Sure. But to watch people pull over on the side of the road and get out and direct traffic. This is in New York City, <laughs> you know, at intersections with no lights. Mm-hmm. The stoplights aren't working. So you had lay people out there, okay, you guys, let's go. And then, okay, hold it. Now, hold it, I said. You know, now you guys come. It and was, those are not cops. Those are just regular people. Regular people. Wow. Do, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And then for you, I know you went to Ground Zero. How many weeks after 9-11 did you end up going? Yeah, there was a, there was a rule. They wouldn't, uh, after 9-11, there was a three-day rule where nobody was allowed in there. And then after the second day, you had to show like 9,000 pieces of identification. Well, if you remember at that time, I think you do, because all of the sportscasters in New York forgot about sports. And it was everything else. So my assignment at that time was, Lou, listen, you and your sports guys, go get whatever you can get. We've got this covered. we got that covered. we got Giuliani, blah, blah, blah. Go get whatever you can get. So we ended up doing the interviews with the celebrities who were down there offering their condolences. So it was De Niro, Alec Baldwin, uh, Tim Robbins' wife from Bull Durham. Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon, yeah. They were all actually there. They were right there. At Ground Zero offering right condolences. Yeah, it was wow. awesome watching them handing out bottles of water. Really? Yeah, it was really, really. So those that's who we did well, the interviews with. And you don't realize this, but there's a lot of celebrities that live in New York City. They yeah. do. And when that hit, it hit everybody to the point where, you're right, everybody just became normal people, especially, no matter who you were. Especially in Lower Manhattan, that's Tribeca, that's Tribeca Film Festival, that's De Niro. Yes, that's right. You know, so a lot of people were in that in that neighborhood, and probably some who were wearing sunglasses and a hat that you couldn't recognize. Did you cover the? I remember when the Mets played the Braves first game after nine eleven. I think Piazza had the game winning hit. They still talk about wearing the FDNY hats and uh-huh. all that. Were you at uh, at Shea then covering that game? No, I was back in in the studio. Okay. But mm-hmm. you know exactly what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, because our, our news people were, yeah. that, that it was more of a news angle. Gotcha. More that, nobody cared about the final score. They cared about their playing. Sure. And how are the Braves going to react to this? You know, coming from Atlanta. So it was, it was, it was quite, a, quite a spectacle, let me tell you. More with Lou Romano as we continue here from our uh, Lubingo studios. But first, uh, 16 past right now here on Sports Talk. Let's send it out to Charlie Wan and get this traffic update. For 20 win season. Both head coaches, um, you know, at this point, looks the future looks bright for Joe Golding. The future definitely looks bright for Dana Dimmel. In in the thirty something years you've been in El Paso, off and on with the with the trips to New York and Phoenix being the only exceptions, when was the last time you could say that the football program is in a spot right now, uh, like like at least like they currently are with Dana Dimmel? Never, never. <clears throat> this. Uh... This group, remember, Steve, Coach Dimmel was in a tough spot, and I think anybody who took over a program like UTEP's, he's got to build for the now, and he's got to build for the program. Yeah. So you have to get guys who can help you out in the next couple of years, and you got to get guys who can help you out now, and you got to somehow convince them that El Paso, Texas, is the place to do it. So what he's done has been nothing short of phenomenal. I, I don't remember UTEP being in this good a shape coming off of last year, coming into the following year. Between his JC guys and the whole culture and attitude. I went by practice once. I was walking the dog over there. It's totally different than what it was 10, 15 years ago. They got music going. Yeah. Guys are having helping each other, helping each other. So the whole culture has changed there. Were you in town in 2004 and 2005 when Mike Price first arrived? No. 
I when did you come back? Years. Uh, I was back briefly in 2008. Okay, so by the time you came back, prices was already on the decline mm-hmm. from his winning seasons right. in 04 and 05. Right, that was actually weird, Steve, because I was brought back here to anchor the news with Nicole Ayub on the 6 and 10 at the old KDBC. I forgot about that. Yeah. It has been a so, while. Right, right. So I get here, and there's a month left before the current male anchor, before his contract was up. So I said, what do you want me to do for a month? I'm, I'm on the payroll. You know, what do you guys? Lou, you know what? Go to the mornings and just get used to, you know, who the news. Remember, I, I'd been out of El Paso for a while. Just go to the mornings, help those guys out. I'm like, okay. So I started anchoring the morning news, waiting for the slot at 6 and 10 to open up in a couple of weeks. Well, they were really happy with how the mornings were going. So they came to me after the month and said, we're not moving you down. We're going to keep you there. Sales team wants you there. They're hearing nice things from uh, the, the clients around town. So stay yeah. there. And we actually did that for about a year. The new owners came in and changed everything and let a lot of people go, including my friends. I didn't like that. So that's when I left and went back to Phoenix. Unbelievable. So mm-hmm. in, so you were gone for eight years? Yeah. When did you come back and work with us? <laughs> Steve, in between. Somewhere in it between. It was when the yeah, dog yeah. got stuck in the car, which, <laughs> which I just heard another story about that the other night. Oh, that's the craziest <laughs> story ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adrian, you ever heard a story no, about I'm, Lou uh, seeing a dog get stuck in his car? I need a, I'm dying to hear. How and this it, by the way, no. this, is a, this is a true story. I was there, <laughs> saw the pictures. It is 100% accurate. Now, listen, you're filled with lots of great stories. Yeah. Most of the time, I'm reminding you of stories <laughs> yeah. that you haven't thought about in, yeah. some, in, in for a zillion years. <laughs> but this is a one you brought up. Yeah. So go ahead and, 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 and fill everybody in about what happened. Okay, it's lengthy. I'll, I'll give you the shortest version possible. Adrian, uh, my girlfriend and I at the time were living in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we're on our way home after having dinner. Sun is just starting to set, and we're less than a half a mile from my house. As we're driving down the road to get to my house, a dog comes out in the middle of the road. I swerve to miss the dog, but I can hear a thump. I'm like, oh, geez, I got that poor guy. So we pulled over, and we're looking for him to find out where he is. You know, he's, is he bleeding? Is he all right? We could not find him. And we looked for a good half hour. Remember, it's getting dark now. So, okay, I, he, he must be okay. Thank goodness. Get back in the car, drive to the house. As we pull into my driveway, I get out of the car and walk around the front of the car, okay, to get to my front door. The person I was with gets out of the car and starts to walk toward me, you know, just as, you know, she's my girlfriend, right? She looks down and starts screaming. I'm like, what's wrong? The back legs of that dog are dangling out of the grill of my car. The ba- Let me say that again. You know like when you, at Christmas time, when people buy the deer? The deer yes, legs yes. Sticking out? That's what it looked like, except for this was real. And the legs aren't moving. I'm like, oh, my God, this poor guy, he's, st- he's, stuck in- he's stuck in the engine of my car. So we go inside. She's crying her eyes out, thinking the dog's dead in my car, right? So I get on the phone, and I'm starting to call the 24-hour vet places. Hey, listen, you're not going to believe this. I got, a- I got a dog stuck in my car. <laughs> Nobody would answer. Nobody's answering. So I called the Scottsdale Fire Department. No, like, so this was this was in Scott. This is in mm-hmm. Phoenix or in Scottsdale, yeah. right? Okay. And they're like, "Listen, we can't. You know, we we just can't help you." I'm like, "What do you mean you can't help me? I got a dog stuck in my car." They said, "No, no, we can only come out on. You know, it's got to be a fire or a brush fire." Blah, blah. I'm like, "Listen, you guys, you have, you have to understand something, okay? I'm gonna drive to work tomorrow with a dog stuck in my engine, 
And when my blade or fan starts to cut that dog up and blood and bones are getting all through my car, I'm going to be forced to go on TV and tell people that you would not help me. They're like, okay, we'll be right down. Now, it's a law in Scottsdale. I don't know where it is, everybody else, that when the firemen come, the police have to come as well. Okay? So the firemen pull up. We go back outside to, to turn on the lights you know, in the front because it's dark now. So that's why the firemen can see the legs of the dog. The legs are gone. The legs are gone. Why does the firemen are pulling up? They're, they're going to think this is a hoax. I'm look like an idiot with these guys. So the firemen get out. And I'm like, you guys, you're not going to believe this. The dog is gone. They're like, oh, we told you you were full of, you know. But I'm like, no, 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 you guys, I'm telling you. And she's still crying. So they're about to leave. The cops pull up. The fire department's about to leave. And they're telling the cops, hey, false alarm. This guy was pulling our leg. The head fireman goes, you know what? Just do me a favor. Open up the hood of your car. I'm like, but I'm telling you, that dog's gone. He goes, just, 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 just humor me. I said, okay. I go in, pop the hood, and there's that dog stuck in the engine. He made his way forward, and we can't get him out. So he's stuck in the engine of my car. Okay? Oh, my God. Now, now, what, cops, time, now what time was this, would you say? This must have been around 8.30, 9 o'clock p.m. Okay. So now the, the police guys are coming down like, oh, my God, there's a dog in there. And they all got their flashlights. This poor dog is scared, and it's sitting there going, <laughs> So you can see he's thirsty. So my girlfriend runs in and grabs every bowl in the, in the kitchen for water for this dog. I'm like, honey, you can't, get the, you can't get the bowl in there. He's stuck in the engine. So now the fire guys, and I can hear him on the phone, because I started to call my insurance company. I'm like, you're not going to believe this. I got a dog stuck in my engine. So the fire department guys, I can hear him on the radio through my other ear. Yeah, I get the jaws of life down. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I, I said, hang, hang on a minute. Jaws of life? He goes, yeah, we got to cut this Cadillac. I was driving a Cadillac at the time. We got to cut this Cadillac apart. I said, you're not touching my Cadillac. <laughs> he goes, well, how are we going to get this dog? I said, that's your problem. You find it. He got in there. You got to find a way to get him out. And I can hear the insurance guy going, what jaws of life? You know, coming through my phone. I'm like, hey, will you hang on a minute, Mr. Insurance Guy? I'm not, I got the fire guys and the cops now. We're fighting. So the cops are telling the fire department, you can't do that if he doesn't want you to do it. And the fire department's like, well, how are we going to get this dog out? He's going to die. And when he's driving to work tomorrow on the highway in 100 degree heat, the dog's going to die. Then his car's going to smell, bones, hair, fur. I'm like, fine. I get back on with the insurance guys. I'm like, look, they got to cut the car. So finally, one of the firemen says, you know what? I got an idea. Hang on a minute. He runs to the fire truck and comes back with this giant blade. And he makes a little incision right by my grill. And he pushed it back just far enough that he could reach in and pull the dog out. Long story short, uh, the fire department said, can we keep the dog? And I said, yeah, it's not mine. The insurance guy, I can hear him on the speaker going, what's going on? Well, what happened with the car? I'm like, well, you take it easy. We got the dog out. Don't worry about it. So the fire department says, can we keep the dog? My insurance company's telling me my deductible is going to be three grand. So I told the fire department guys, it's going to cost you $3,000 if you want this dog. <laughs> That's why they would pick up oh, the tab for the. Man. But I, I was joking, of course. I was kidding. So anyhow, they took the dog. They nicknamed it Bumper. And now that dog, I think to this day, because a few years ago he was still there, to this day that dog is still in that firehouse uh, named Bumper. That's the greatest story of all time. I'm telling you. There are so many more details, but it's the best I could do in a short amount of time. Impressed, Adrian? I'm very impressed. I can't believe that was real. I think what happened was when I swerved, I clipped him, and he spun and went headfirst through my grill. But the grill was never cracked. And there wasn't even that much space for the dog to go through. Right, right. That was the crazy thing about mm-hmm. it. What I, are the chances? I'm telling you. I was trying to take pictures. I was taking it for the insurance company. And it's not. a good thing the dog didn't get burned in mm-hmm. that engine. I'm telling you. It was, a, it was a nightmare. By the way, that girl broke up with me. 
After that incident, <laughs> she's probably traumatized. She was, I would be traumatized, too, yeah. after that incident. This guy happened. has way too many stories. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah. Did she start crying when they rescued the dog? You should, I'm telling you, she was a wreck. And I, I don't blame her. You know, I'm a dog lover. Yeah. I don't blame her, but I was more worried about my Cadillac than I was about this stray dog. <laughs> you know? So, oh lesson my learned. God. Did the dog have a collar? I guess not. No, nothing. Who knows where that dog came from? No ID, no nothing. And now I would that love dog to go back station. to that neighborhood and just ask around, listen, I was the guy that found your dog. You're not going to believe it, but he's, he's down the street at the fire department. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. 32 pass. We'll come back with more with Lou Romano. If you want to get into the show, 505-6009. First, here's Adrian in SportsCenter. Back with Lou Romano right now. 505-6009. If you want to get into the program, that's 505-6009. Lou uh, saying uh, goodbye, at least for now. We don't know. I mean, are you ready to Are you ready to just officially close the chapter on television or never say never? Yeah, but I don't think you ever never say never. I've, I've learned that. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm finished with, with local TV for sure. You know, it's just the industry has changed so much, Steve, than when I first broke in and and the direction that it's gone in, you know, with the in, the, the Internet's explosion and everything. Uh, but a lot of people are wondering, you know, they're wishing me happy retirement. You know, <laughs> I'm not retiring. You know, I'm, I'm already bored. Today was my first day not having to go into work. I'm bouncing off the walls. You know, so I'll, I'll when the time is right, you know, I'll start poking around. Yeah, there you go. So uh, you're ready just to uh, kind of lay low for a little while, enjoy yourself, and then, um, you know, like you said, Look for look for something. Look look for your next uh, your next chapter. Let's yeah, put it that way. yeah, yeah. I just haven't. My head has just been spinning. I mean, Steve, when you're doing both of those TV stations, yeah. you know, four different sportscasts, four different times, by yourself, you know, your head just spins. You know, at least it did for me all day. So I just really haven't had time to even digest it. You know, and then everything that goes along with it with changing the cell phone and you know, changing the email address and, and everything else. So it's Are you still on Twitter? Did you get rid of that too? No, I still got Twitter. What is your new handle? Do you have the same uh, handle? Or just I, change the I name. I think it's I haven't I haven't checked because I just got the phone. I think it's uh, oh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll, I think we'll look at that later. I think it's Romano something. All right, Romano something. It's Romano something it's, on it's Twitter. At nine one five Romano. Oh, there you go. But I haven't been active on it. Like I said, I just got the phone. Hang on. You know. There, there shouldn't be. There it is, nine one five Romano. <laughs> hey, we're following each other, and you, oh no, so you basically took your handle. I got you, and you still kind of carried it over. But new, new handle, but all the same people that are there. So the, you're good. The the web team. Uh, you still have fifty one hundred followers. Nicely done. Yeah, the the web team took care of all that for me. Good. God bless them, because there's no way I can figure that out. Um, mm-hmm. As it stands right now, Sule Boom today just uh, announced that he is going to uh, Xavier. He's going to play for the Musketeers with uh, new head coach Sean Miller. So that news uh, broke uh, just earlier today. You covered Sule uh, for the last four seasons. Um, one of the best guys you're ever going to be around. Of all the athletes that have ever left here, and I, I mean this going back to when I first got here in 1990, of all the athletes, man, Sule, God, I would have loved to have played with him, man. You know, like if I could play, I mean – just a, a nice player, always plays hard, funny. He had that great laugh. Adrian, you know, every time Sule laughed, <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> Sule, why the chicken cross the road? I don't know. To get the other side. <laughs> he, he's just the, the nicest guy, you know, and I hope he has an amazing career. I was heartbroken when he left. I told him that, too. You know, I'm like, Sully, man, I, listen, I totally understand, but, man, you were one of my guys. Loved watching him play. So I hope, uh, 
I hope everything works out for him. He's just a genuinely great guy, great athlete, and a great teammate. Great yeah. teammate. A couple of years ago, you had that weekly UTEP show that you were doing mm-hmm. um, over at Channel 4. And, um, you know, you tell me. that was You've never done anything like that before. That was like the first weekly show you had, and you were producing that uh, you know, with your team for about two or three years. Was that, mm-hmm. uh, was, was that a lot of fun for you, just having a chance to meet so many of the student-athletes and coaches that would come by and see you during the course of a season? You have no idea how much fun that was, especially Coach Dimmel. Adrian, you have to remember, here's Coach Dimmel coming in with a 1-11 team. And that guy came into our TV station every single week in the greatest mood, giant smile, taking pictures with everybody, people he didn't even know, would go out of his way to make conversation. What what a great face of the program uh, he was. And uh, it took us maybe an hour before Dana and I clicked. If you go back and look at that show, I didn't do any talking. Okay, uh, Coach, uh, you know, you, you lost to Southern Miss, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Lou, we had a tough time. The highlights roll, and Dana's talking for the next five minutes. I mean, he was that good. In fact, I made him a demo and said, Coach, listen, if this coaching thing doesn't work out for you, now you have this. You can send this to Fox Sports. Really? Or, you gave him his oh, own demo? Oh, yeah. He's that good. That's he's awesome. That good. He's that good. You know, knows exactly what he's talking about. And the fun part was, before we'd go on the air, I'd show him the highlights. That's why he wasn't blindsided. And he would go, oh, but you didn't see here. Lou, watch, run it back. Look, we totally missed that. I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, Coach, why didn't you throw it here? Well, look, I'll show you. Run it back. See our offensive tackle? He missed the block. That's why I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, he would just point stuff out that you and I would never see. That's wild. You know, he's watching all 11 guys, you know. So, yeah, it was that much fun. Rodney uh, was interesting because, as you guys know, Rodney was magnetic. Rodney's one of those guys where, I'm talking about Rodney Terry, when, when he comes into your home, you could see why your mom or your dad, if, if he was there to recruit your son, you could see how your mom and dad would fall in love with him. Well-dressed, hip, cool, funny, always has something nice to say, I, I came across as genuine. So yeah, as soon as he leaves the house, you're telling your son you got to play for that guy. So you could see why he's such a good recruiter. How do you like Joe Golding after uh, seeing him for the first year? Love him. I mean, he he coaches the way I think I would. You know, I've never obviously been at his level. But his passion... Joe Golding basically tells his players, uh, I don't expect you to do anything that I know you can't do. I'm not telling you to do something you can't do. And if I'm out here giving 100% every single time for two hours or three hours, I expect you to do the same thing. So Golding's not asking anything of his players that he doesn't bring. That, to me, is a coach. That's gotcha. a coach. Yeah. It's, you know? it, it, last year was a lot of fun, too. 20 wins. They, had, they, you know, they got the most out of that team, for sure. I'm telling you, I can't say enough good things about Coach Golding. I didn't get to know him as well as the other UTEP coaches because we, we, we didn't have the show anymore. And that's when you get to know, you know, the, the athletes mm-hmm. and the coaches really well. Yeah. You know, so, but, but I, I wish him the best of luck. I text him from time to time. In fact, uh, he's got uh, a son who loves baseball, you know, which he knows my sport, you know, so we kind of have that connection too. So oh, that's once, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I, th- I think he's going to end up going to Coronado, which is where, you know, my guys go. Perfect. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see hopefully Golding down the line. So if people want to find Lou Romano over the next, uh, <laughs> go to the Coronado baseball field and you'll see him at every game. <laughs> you know what though? It's not just Coronado cap. Like I already you travel. 
Well, well, no, it's like, like like the other coaches. I'll give them a heads up, you know, that mm-hmm. that my time is almost over. Yeah. Uh, so now I can go watch Coach Solis's Riverside team play or Coach Munoz and America's, and I can stay for the whole game. So you're excited <laughs> because now you actually can can watch a full game yes. of sports. Yes, locally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and that includes UTEP too. There you go. You know, will you come out of retirement and start playing again? <laughs> I think I got a year of eligibility left. I think so, too. We can find that. Just stay out of the transfer portal. Right? Stay out of the transfer portal. Which, by the way, I'm getting tired of this transfer portal. Steve, I understand it. I I, I, I do. And I was in favor of it. But when you combine that with the uh, name, image, and likeness thing now, to me it almost has to be one or the other. Because how can mid-majors – I know you guys have talked about this. We don't have to get into it. But when you take schools, mid-majors, you know, NMSU, UTEP – how, how every year you got to go out and find ten guys? Yes, every year. Well, not maybe every year, but you're gonna have to find guys every year. Pretty sure. close. I mean, pretty close. Mm-hmm. You can have five to six guys, and now it's the norm. I know. You know, I know. so all that work that you did and the money that you spent to go recruit. Remember, this isn't Alabama. We don't have trillions of dollars that we can just fly around the country and go find players. That's why it's so important to try to build a winner every year. It's that, and then on top of that, build a winning program? Yes. Well, you can't build a program. It's almost as if you got to build a year-to-year and yeah. hope that you win every year. It's year-to-year. Yeah, so I don't know if you can get those long stretches. Of, hey, remember the 80s when we were awesome in the 80s? I don't no. know if you get that anymore. No. Now it's going to be like, remember we were great in 2024? You know, then we had those bad years in 5 and 6, but we were back in 2027. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that, that's what it's come to now. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. We're going to wrap things up with Lou, so stay with us, folks. 43 past. You want to weigh in, 505-6009 here on Sports Talk.